The popular Netflix series You dropped the second part of its fourth season, rounding out the London portion of Joe Goldberg's latest criminal activities. And if you thought the first part was disappointing, I hate to tell you, it gets even worse. Spoilers for You seasons one through four ahead. I'm Harry, and this is Trash Talk Reverse. Welcome to Trash Talk Reverse, where I trash talk your favorite TV show or movie, or I do the reverse. I was actually looking forward to this season after the ridiculous season 2 plot twist and the horrendous entirety of season 3. The idea of the stalker being stalked was ironic and interesting, especially Joe's lack of awareness that the killer slash stalker was basically doing what he did to women before. Then, as is usual with this show, the execution completely falls through. So let's go back real quick to how this show ruined itself before. Season 1 started off satirizing romance tropes and subverting the professional bad guy anti-hero tropes popularized by Tony Soprano, Dexter Morgan, and Walter White. And one of the things that really hooked me back then was Joe's horrible attempt to hide a body in the woods and nearly getting caught. It was funny how bad he was compared to the meticulous Dexter, for example. Not to mention him staging his meet-cute with Beck and his biting, sometimes ironic, narration. Joe's obsessive behavior might have been crazy to watch, but that was a highlight of season 1. As exaggerated as it was, many regular men, non-serial killing men, in real life, are similarly entitled to women's attention and existence overall, the way Joe felt entitled to Beck. The way he deluded himself into thinking he was doing what Beck needed and that he was saving her, that was the point of the show. Of course, then they went and ruined it by giving him traumatic backstories. It's way too common in the media to show that villainous characters have some sort of tragic backstory or some mental illness that turns them into killing machines. It's not wrong to add color to the villain, but in an attempt to improve on the black and white villains of the old days, writers spent the past decade or more going way too far in the other direction. Case in point, the hugely successful Joker film from 2019. It has the anti-hero shooting up a storm and justifying his murders and crimes because bad things happen to him. This is why incels around the world love this movie, because it validates their feelings of entitlement and justifies the way they harass others when things don't go their way. Mental illness and trauma are used as backstory fodder not only in entertainment, but in real life as well. Like when people cite mental illness as the reason for gun violence and not the fact that killers are just vile people who know right from wrong and choose to do wrong because it gets them their way, because they feel entitled to those outcomes. A lot of people are dealt a bad hand in life or have some sort of mental illness. Doesn't mean they go around killing people. On a less murderous scale, many regular men treat women like trash because of a similar entitlement. I recently saw a video of a woman on the phone with her husband who was angry that she wanted to see a friend after getting groceries. He was mad about having to stay at home with the kids and spend time with them on his day off. Bro, why even have kids if you hate them so bad? These are the regular people that I thought Joe Goldberg was supposed to represent, albeit on an exaggerated scale. Instead, they made him an orphan with mommy issues, which they even straight up say. And they made him raised by an abusive man that kept him in a cage. I guess to make y'all feel better because you think, oh, that's a very implausible situation, therefore I'm safe from these types of men, when really we should be concerned about the guys with picture-perfect families who grew up under the patriarchy and were taught that their way is the only way, and if they don't get what they want, they can take it by force. These are the guys who seem like they're all about equality or they're super woke the way Joe is via his narration. But then you do something independent or different from the norm, and it freaks them out. I don't know if they gave Joe his weird backstories because of the books, because I haven't read them, but regardless, the show should not have done that. Take a page out of Phineas and Ferb. They gave Doofenshmirtz like a million backstories, okay? This guy was raised by ocelots, and neither of his parents showed up for his birth. They did all this to poke fun at the trope, and in the end, guess what? He turned out to be not so bad a guy, after all. Now in season two, I thought, okay, Joe wants to give up this killing, then great for him. 
He still deserved jail for what he did before, but okay, at least he knows what he did was wrong, sort of, and he's trying to sort of be better for this new woman, Love Quinn. And of course, the plot twist of season two was that Love is a crazy psycho killer as well. I know there's a lot of girls out there who stand Love Quinn and think she's some sort of girl boss because apparently a murderous woman is totally cool in the entertainment sphere that came about after Gone Girl, but I can't stand her and neither should you. When your main characters are murderers, the number one rule is to never have them kill people the audience likes. Think of all your favorite shows and movies where the main characters kill people. Did any of them kill people you liked? If they did, you would probably find it real difficult to stick around and be forced to endure them on your screen. As soon as Love killed Delilah, it was over. And then to make it worse, she killed Candace. She's going around killing all the good guys, and by season three, Joe had only killed annoying people nobody liked. I should quickly insert a disclaimer here. No, I'm not condoning Joe's actions or anything, and killing is obviously wrong no matter how annoying the victim is, but this is a TV show. And in TV shows, we look the other way when annoying or irrelevant people get killed off, like Breaking Bad season three finale. We even cheer when people we hate get killed off, like me at the end of You season 3. Because once Love Quinn entered the picture, Joe was really looking like the better of two evils. And the main issue with season 4 is how 2 and 3 sort of showed Joe trying his absolute best to not kill anyone, and then did a sudden unexplained flip. Another point was that Love is supposedly holding up a mirror to him, but the mirror doesn't really work because she comes in at a time when he's not killing, and she mostly kills out of jealousy and insecurity, while Joe kills out of delusion and an inflated sense of self. I spent all of season three enduring the horrible writing, including the idiotic moment when Love loudly admits to being a murderer in Sherry and Carrie's house, all so I could see the demise of Love. Again, not because I think killing is good, but because she's so damn annoying. Joe eventually kills her after she tries to kill him, but leading up to that, he actually saves multiple people, like Theo, which makes the sudden switch in season four make even less sense. And again, I'm not saying that makes him a good person or that it suddenly redeems him. Actually, the one thing I did like about season 4 is that they're not trying to redeem him. But it just gives me pause when I think about the lead up to 4 and the sudden switch. Yeah, he still had that obsession in season 3 with Marianne, but jumping from that to being the eat the rich killer? Like, did we miss something? Because it was so sudden. Joe's motivation has always been self-serving. So why the hell is he killing all these random people? The absolute ridiculousness of the writing, like dividing himself into a good part and a bad part, but he's not aware of it? Like, am I watching the movie Split? Is this just another take on DID? Was there no other way to transition Joe from his season 3 self into his darkness rejecting season 4 self, and then into his darkness embracing self in the season 4 finale? Cause that one also came out of nowhere. How did he go from someone who let that one guy free in season 2 and tried to stop love from killing people in season 3, to having this secret dark version of himself who kidnapped Marianne? In Joe's argument with the fake Reese, he kept insisting he would never hurt Marianne. And we know what he did to Beck before. He was all cool with her till she found the trophy box, so obviously it's not impossible that he would lock Marianne up. But the transition between his different states is super random. Like, what the hell compelled him to lock her up after he went to all that trouble to get her necklace, lie to the one guy, and say he killed her? It's almost as if the character serves the plot and not the other way around. Like, ooh, we need a plot twist, so let's have him act like two completely different people with a magical on and off switch, and the audience will never question it. The worst part of the season is how they tried to add in the mental illness aspect. Like, oh brother, yet another murderous character who's murderous because of mental illness. You're adding so much to the conversation. The one lady having erotomania was enough, but now Joe has it too? Why? Because it was the only way for them to explain away the weird plot twist of Joe being the killer all along and hallucinating Reese? 
It's like that trauma mess they did before, and now he's got some disorder, as if regular men with zero mental or trauma problems don't go around harassing women. The entire draw of season 4 was that Joe Goldberg was being Joe Goldberg, and admittedly the mid-season reveal that it was Reese was really disappointing, so in comparison to that, yeah, it's way better that it was Joe all along, but it's still really stupid. Like, how did you just black out and kill people? Did the writers just want a random surprise plot twist? Was there no other way to keep us in the dark? It might have made more sense if Joe knew he was the killer all along, and he was like this unreliable narrator, but then I guess they couldn't have done that whole whodunit part of the show where he's Sherlock Holmes for a bit. And why was his other half trying to frame him? So that he could find out the truth? Why was his fake self blackmailing him? The two personalities thing literally doesn't add up till you realize the writers had no idea how to get from point A to point B. A friend of mine also pointed out that he's killed before, so why now? What made him suddenly split into two personalities? Was it all the stuff with love and him rejecting the darkness in her, which I guess was representative of the darkness in him? Because if so, they neglected to show us any of that in favor of keeping us in the dark. Even with all the flashbacks in this part of the season, they still couldn't show us how this happened or why or even when the split happened. They were just like, oh, he compartmentalized the darkness. Like, what? You can do that? I can compartmentalize the part of me that orders delivery every day and throw that part of me off a bridge so I can finally start saving money? And apparently Joe compartmentalized for so long that he hadn't visited Marianne in like a month. Kate said to Joe, we've known each other three months, Marianne must have been gone longer than that, and her French friend just never thought to check up on her? Like, hey, you were only supposed to be gone two days, your daughter's wondering where you are, so where are you? Clearly she hadn't checked up on her because when Nadia was going through Marianne's phone, there were no texts from Beatrice. Is that her name? Beatrice? Whatever. It definitely looked like the friend hadn't messaged her in all that time. So not only did Joe forget about all that, but how did he forget about Reese? He read his book, he annotated it like crazy, he watched his videos, and then boom, he forgets about all of that, all about Marianne, all about everything. And fake Reese says, oh, you imagined yourself being texted. What? That was so insanely dumb. It was like they wanted to do this mystery with red herrings. And surprise, it's Joe. But they had no idea how to actually execute that. So they just started throwing darts at a wall and went with whatever random plot points the dart landed on. I know they were trying to do like a Jekyll Hyde type thing, but this isn't Jekyll and Hyde. I think there's this trope in some sci-fi magic type shows where people turn into creatures and black out while doing evil things or whatever. But this show doesn't have magic or serums to point to as a reasoning for why any of this would actually work. The established world of you is a reality similar to our own, where the only time people black out and do crazy things is when they're extremely drunk. So that might make sense for him killing Malcolm, but that's about it. Now, you'd think the worst part of the season was all that nonsense, but nope. The worst part is Kate. Stupid, ridiculous, uptight Kate. I didn't think I could hate someone more than Love Quinn, but Kate is just so boring. She has absolutely no personality other than, oh boohoo, I hate my dad and I'm so oppressed because my dad is rich and evil and I hang out with people who are rich and evil and complain about how they're rich and evil while benefiting from the fact that they're rich and evil. And she's so self-righteous too, like we get it, you're the only person ever to understand class dynamics. Rich people are bad and you're not like other girls. She and Joe have no chemistry and they talk so weird it's like the writers wanted to force us to believe in them as a couple. Like, hey Joe, let's go have super athletic sex. Who talks like that? Kate as a character just doesn't make any sense. Her character wasn't really a character as much as a plot device. 
Joe saving her is how Malcolm ends up inviting him to the party where he gets involved with everything, and it also just so happens that her dad is the one who commissions Joe to kill Reese, which leads to Joe finding out he doesn't actually know Reese. Also, real quick, why is Kate British but her dad's American? Her dad said she grew up in America and she lived there as a kid. She basically didn't leave till she was 20. But anyway, Joe tries to kill himself and he fails. And then he realizes he's got this second chance. So instead of lying to Kate, he straight up tells her about his past and she's like, okay, cool. Um, really? You're just cool with that? With Joe being a murderer? Maybe she didn't care because she's been a fake ass bitch all season pretending like she was better than the other rich people. Maybe it's because her dad's been involved in killings, so she's used to it. But she hates her dad, so... Would she really be okay with Joe being a murderer? Not just killing one person, but multiple, many people? When this whole time she's been like, Oh, look at me. I'm so different from my dad. I'm actually a good person who wants to save the world. She doesn't even care that Joe killed her friends. Even if she didn't like them because she thought they were horrible people, would you really be comfortable hanging around someone you knew was a killer? Even if he's like, Oh, I've totally changed. I want to redeem myself. Would you really be like, Okay, sounds good to me. Let's be together forever. They don't even know each other that well. It's been three months and half that time. Were they even interacting? Does she know that not only has he not changed, but that he's embraced his dark side? Does she know what he did to Edward and Nadia? Maybe they'll tell us next season, but I feel like she does. I feel like he told her everything and she was just like, okay, whatever. I'll help you cover it all up because for some unknown reason, I need you in my life. And speaking of Edward and Nadia, this part pissed me off even more because I just knew it wasn't going to end well for these two. But the way it happened was so stupid. Nadia should have known better than to face lock her phone just like Beck should have password protected her laptop in season one. Ever since she became suspicious, Nadia made it so obvious she was trying to hide something. And also she should have called the cops as soon as she found the box in Joe's apartment or maybe texted the pictures to someone or at least post them online. And the pictures were dumb too. It was just pictures of the clippings in the box. Like that doesn't prove anything. You wouldn't even know whose they were or where they were unless you took a video being like, okay, everyone, look around. I'm in Joe Goldberg, aka Jonathan Moore's house, as you can see from this video I'm taking. And I found this box and look inside at all the stuff I found. And then don't touch it because obviously his fingerprints are going to be on that stuff. And you know what? Forget all that. She should have just live streamed it on Instagram. Like there's no way Joe could have gotten away with it or tried to frame her at that point. Like if she knew she was going to go bust someone that she knew and confirmed was a kidnapping murderer, not even suspected, but 100% knew thanks to what Marianne told her and seeing her kidnapped in that cage, then why would she not take any precautions whatsoever? Even if Nadia happened to silently livestream Joe coming into the cellar and talking to Marianne, even if she couldn't stick her phone out enough to get his face and just got his voice, still, boom, there's your proof. Someone watching the stream would call the cops and then Joe's done. Let's say nobody calls and Joe catches her. Too late. It's live. So everyone has already seen it, has access to it. He can't delete it or change it. It's already out there. All he can do is run away and hope he has enough time to get on a boat to France. Like, how have no TV writers ever thought of people live streaming? Because the number one problem I see in movies and shows where someone finds some incriminating information is they don't tell anyone where they're going or what they're doing. And then when they find the evidence, they proceed not to tell or show anyone. And then they even try to confront the criminal alone without telling anyone. It's like the movie Prisoners where Hugh Jackman's character finally figures it out and he runs off to confront the criminal without telling anyone where he's going. Like, no wonder you're stuck in a ditch with no way out. All that being said, the place where Joe ends up at the end of season four is actually pretty interesting because now he has all the power in the world and instead of rejecting his murderous tendencies, he has now embraced them. It's just how he got to the place that pisses me off because what the hell? Like that really random 180 Phoebe did in the middle of which she didn't want to be with Adam, but suddenly she does and wants to marry him because I don't think drugs work like the Imperious Curse. But now she's an English teacher who dresses like a zookeeper. Also, how did Joe get from deeply wanting to reject fake Reese, aka his dark self, 
to embracing him, aka seeing Reese in the window, within the span of an episode. Like, you definitely just threw that guy off a bridge last week. Are they gonna explain that sudden transition? And now that the world knows Joe Goldberg's story, are they gonna address Sherry and Carrie who are still alive and definitely know he's crazy and it wasn't just his wife? I really hope that the next season is the last one because at this point, I have suffered enough. I just need to see Joe's satisfying downfall. I genuinely want the show to end on a strong note. You is at its best when it's making fun of those TV tropes as well as the archetypes, like when he was in Los Angeles and had to deal with all the vegan freaks, or suburbia, though the satirization of London's elite didn't really hit and the characters were more like annoying caricatures. But the show also excels when it sticks Joe in unexpected situations, like being a father in the suburbs or being a professor. So now that Joe's back in New York as an elite himself and embracing this darkness, there's definitely a lot of potential for what I hope will be the final season. It could even be cool to bring back some characters from the other seasons like Ellie from season two in a final culmination. But don't piss me off by letting Joe off the hook to subvert expectations or some other nonsense. I hate it when TV shows or movies want to be realistic or edgy so bad that they give us an ending nobody wanted. Joe just needs to get caught. Or something has to happen to him. Penn Badgley mentioned in an interview that Joe needs some sort of comeuppance. He said, it feels to me like Joe needs to get what's coming to him and now he has further to fall because he has all this wealth and power. If that's what the showrunners want, they should really make season 5 the last one so we can finally see that happen. And who knows, maybe they'll even give Kate a personality this time. Thanks for listening, and once again, this was Trash Talk Reverse. Reverse.